Welcome. I'm Pastor John, and you're listening to the Still Meadow Church of the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. Still Meadow Church of the Nazarene is a Bible-believing church located in York, Pennsylvania. Please be sure to check out our webpage, www.stillnaz.com, for ways to connect, watch, request prayer, and to give. This series is titled, In the Waiting, Trusting God in the Middle Moments. Each story from Genesis, we will explore an invitation to trust God in the middle of our own waiting times, to believe that He is always up to something good. Now to the sermon. Here's our lead pastor, Pastor Josh Kleinfeld. That's why we do what we do as a church, right? We believe that God's relationship with God is greater than our past, it's deeper than our pain, it's greater than our sin. We believe that. And so we celebrate that in song. We offer that with our lives. Every sermon I preach, the goal is that we would experience that grace together as a group and each one of us as individuals to know he loves us that much. Thanks be to God. If we've not met, my name is Josh. Hello. If you're watching on the internets, Great to see you on the Facetube. That's a, the combination of Facebook and YouTube. I'm glad that you're here with us. Um, hey, next week, I want, I want to give a heads up. This is the last um, week in this series in the waiting. Um, next week, we have um, a guest preacher, Osmani Espinoza, um, a Cuban pastor preaching in the hills of Dover. Um, at Dover Mountain <laughs> Grove Church of the Nazarene. Um, I first met him when I was serving um, this group called Strengthening Families, and we went to New Life for Girls, and he and his family were ministering there. And in that moment, I recognized a man who had a passion for God's word and a deep belief in God's radical transformation for all people. And so um, I've been wanting him to share with us um, the message that God would have him speak to us. And so he's coming next week. Um, and so I hope that you extend a warm Still Meadow welcome when he is with us. I will not be. I will be returning from what, what we call vacation, and so which I am leaving for today. Hooray! Okay. Anyways, I know that you are in for um, something good next week with Pastor Osmani. Um, and so if you don't know, he also um, helps lead a Spanish congregation at our city campus every Sunday night. Um, and so if you have a friend or family member um, who might be looking for a Spanish-speaking service, um, that happens every Sunday night, 5.30. Um, and so it's cool. We're partnering together, right? So, all right. Today, we're coming from Song of Songs. Yes, chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. If you're familiar with this book... You're familiar that it is, it's loaded with some incredibly passionate descriptions of amore. Um, I don't recommend that you read the book in its entirety at the dinner table with your family. Um, 
It recognizes, though, it's, I believe, within our canon of Scripture to remind us that love, romantic love, is a gift from God and is to be honored and cherished and received and shared within the bride and groom relationship. Take some time, some time to read through the whole thing, and you just see it's like sparkles. So much love between the lover and the beloved, between the bride and the groom. Oh. Now, what's really interesting is the church, as, um, as the church grew in understanding of who Jesus is and Jesus' love for the church, um, there, is, there are references in the New Testament to the church being the bride of Christ. And so the church began to explore this idea. What does that mean that the church is the bride, the one that Jesus wants to marry? And the church began to understand that, oh, wait, Jesus wants us to know him in an intimate way. He wants us to be loved by him and to love him back. That's how overwhelmingly awesome the love is that he has for us. And so as the church began to think about this relationship between the church and Christ, they then looked at the Song of Solomon or Song of Songs and they went, oh, wait. Like we could read that as a conversation between Christ and his bride, the church. We could read that as, as a description of the deep, intimate knowledge and love that God longs to have with us, symbolically, of course. And so today, I want us to first read this passage as, as a description of Christ and his bride, the church. So there's two speakers in this time. It's she, that's the lover that we're going to say is the church, and then the beloved. We're going to say that's Christ. And so um, if you turn to Song of Songs, chapter 2, verse 8, we're going to start there. And the, the, the words that we first hear are the words of the bride. She speaks. And as we read, just kind of imagine this as the church looking for Jesus. Listen, my beloved, look. Here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Which, by the way, that's kind of a funny reference, right? Look at him. Okay, look! He stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My beloved spoke and said to me, and now, imagine this, Christ to the church. Arise, my darling, my beautiful one. Come. Come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. And this is kind of where the sparkly language is coming out. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise. Come, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. This is the word of God for us today. Can somebody say, thanks be to God? You see the flirting that's happening in this passage, right? The lover, the beloved, she's looking, here he comes. And he's like, like playing peekaboo almost. He's hiding behind the lattice. And then he speaks, come on, follow me. 
It makes me think, you know, as the, as the lover or as the beloved is talking to the lover and says, hey, look, the time has come. The, the flowers are in fragrance. The birds are singing. It's almost like when Jesus came and he was like, the kingdom of heaven is here. <laughs> the time is ripe. And so when Jesus came, he came to reveal to the world, guess what? All the love that God has for you is available right now. Come on, the time is ripe. Join me. There's these scenes where Jesus is just walking along. He's walking along the lake, and there's four fishermen. He's like, come, arise, follow me. And these fishermen are like, all right, they throw their nets down and they follow him, right? And then he's walking through town. He looks at Matthew, the tax collector. Come, follow me, right? This is what Jesus does. Jesus has come bounding across the mountains like a stag, right? He's come into our reality and says, come on, be with me. I think he's come to us today. No more delay, church. No more delay. The time has come. Arise. Arise, church. Join me in my movement of wanting to reveal my love to this world. Join me. Receive my love for yourself, which is greater than your past, deeper than your sin, or great. I'm getting it all mixed up. It's just so awesome. Follow me. You see, Christians see everything. Christians see everything through the lens of God's love. Everything. We receive every day through this perspective that it is a gift. Right? When you look at the calendar, there's a box for every day. Just imagine a little bow on top of each box. Every day, a gift to be opened. Where Jesus comes to us and says, arise, follow me this day. Receive my love this day. Extend my love this day. We see everything through the unending, unrelenting love of Jesus Christ. This also includes marriage and romance. We see and receive the gift of marriage, the gift of romance, through the lens of God's love for us. We recognize that the love between man and woman, between bride and groom, is a gift ordained by God to be enjoyed. He loved us so much that the first relationship in the world to be a relationship was a relationship between man and wife. What love God has for us. And think about this. He made the biology to be something enjoyable. You know what I'm saying? He could have made procreation work like the way flowers work with little bees flying between us, but he didn't. That's not what happened. You know what happened. God made the act of being fruitful something to be enjoyed, something to be a beautiful experience between lover and the beloved. We recognize that romance is a gift from God properly understood, properly experienced within the context of this marriage relationship. Now, we do live in a culture 
that has elevated romance, probably in the elevation of it, has totally degraded it, right? When you are on Instagram, when you are watching shows, you see that this gift that is supposed to be enjoyed in the context of a marriage is just kind of flaunted. And so our children who have access to the internet suddenly get smacked with something before they were ever intended or ever prepared to see it. Our culture has elevated this beyond where God ever intended it. It was to be received as a gift and put in submission to his love. We, as Christians, see everything and receive everything as a gift. So, listen, um, I, I'm in a 17-year-long in a relationship with a, the most wonderful woman in the world. One of, the things, one of the things that we decided at the start was that the, the romance that we had would come after the love that God has for us. We, in our wedding, recognized that we are two cords tied together, but we want Christ to be the third cord that binds us together completely. We recognize that it is his love that actually helps us love each other in the best possible way. Because if I exalt my wife to a position of, that only God can occupy, I'm going to expect her to do things that only God can do, to satisfy things in my heart that only God can satisfy. And so we, in our relationship, recognize, actually, she is a gift, I'm a gift, but we're not God. God is God in our relationship, and so we put him first, and that allows our relationship to be what it is, something incredible, but not perfect. Oh my gosh, not perfect. I'm in it, right? So like, certainly not perfect. But I want us today to be encouraged that this, this text is a reminder that those of us who are in romantic relationships or in marriages, it's a gift to be submitted to the way of Christ, to be submitted to his direction. And, and we're actually reading from Genesis chapter 24 in the next, is the next passage. And this is kind of like a, an old school bachelor. You ever see that show? Um, where the, the way this show works right now is there's one dude and he chooses from 12 ladies, I think. I, I, I've never really watched it, so I don't know. I just know that it's a thing. Um, and so... In, the, in this show, the goal is for the bachelor to end up choosing his own, like his, the future, his future bride, right? Um, but in this show, in Genesis chapter 24, um, the, the groom is not doing the picking. It's his father who is sending his servant to do the picking. But I think what we see in this passage actually gives us some instruction on how to be in a relationship, in a romantic relationship that honors God. And so I want us to read this. It's, it's kind of long. It's Genesis chapter 24, verses 34 through 67. As we read this, Let's feel the tension as if it was the bachelor, right? Let's, is the servant who has been sent to find the, the wife for Isaac going to be successful in bringing home a wife that would match Isaac well? Let, let's read. The servant starts by saying in verse 34, he said, uh, I am Abraham's servant. 
By the way, he's speaking to Rebecca's family at this point. Um, and he says, the Lord has blessed my master abundantly and he has become wealthy. He has given him sheep and cattle, silver and gold, male and female servants and camels and donkeys. Essentially, he's saying, um, Abraham is a really nice 401k. You can trust him. He's, he can take care of your daughter, essentially, is what, what we're seeing right here. And then he points to the miracle in verse 36. He says, my master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a son in her old age, and he has given him everything he owns. That line, my master's wife, Sarah, has borne him a son in her old age, is pointing out, by the way, this is a miracle that has happened. God has been at work in our lives. And then he says this, my master made me swear an oath. You must not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in whose lands I live. Instead, go to my father's family, to my own clan and get a wife for my son. Then I asked my master, what if the woman doesn't come back with me? My master replied, well, the Lord before, before whom I have walked faithfully, he will send his angel with you and make your journey a success so you can get a wife for my son from my own clan, from my father's family. You're going to be released from my oath if when you go to my clan, they refuse to give her to you. Then, then you'll be released from my oath. And then I, I just, this is so cool. L listen to this. He continues speaking and he says, when I came to the spring today, I said, which this is a prayer. I prayed, Lord, God of my master Abraham, if you will, please grant success to the journey on which I have come. See, I'm standing beside the spring. If a young woman comes out to draw water and I say to her, please let me drink a little water from your jar. And she says to me, drink, and I'll draw water for your camels too. Let her be the one the Lord has chosen for my master's son. Before I had finished praying in my heart, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She went down to the spring and drew water, and I said to her, please, give me a drink. She quickly lowered her jar from her shoulder, and she said, drink, I'll water your camels too. So I drank, and she watered the camels also. Do you see what's happening here? So the servant has prayed, God, would you show me someone who has a, a servant's heart? Would you show me someone who has a hospitable, welcoming spirit? So he prays. And before he's even done praying, Rebecca shows up, jar on her shoulder. She gets, fills it with water. And then he's like, hey, um, can I get a drink? And she said, well, sure. And not only gives him something to drink, but then cares for his stuff as well. Rebecca in this moment is modeling what we see in Jesus Christ. She thinks of others before she's thinking of herself, right? It was not on her agenda that day to welcome the stranger, but that's what she did. I, I think this text reminds us, and Rebecca serves as an example to us, healthy relationships are when we are welcoming to people we don't know. And that if you're in the pursuit of finding someone to be in a romantic relationship with, find someone who puts other needs ahead of their own needs. Look for that kind of person. And if you're in a relationship, admire that in your partner. Affirm that in your partner. And be that. Be welcoming to whoever comes your way the way Rebecca was, the way Jesus is. Let's continue. I asked her, whose daughter are you? And she said, well, I'm the daughter of Bethuel, son of Nahor, whom Milcah bore to him. And then this is great. This is kind of like a little dowry, a little gift. Then I put a ring in her nose and the bracelets on her arms, which is really funny. Like, imagine just carrying a nose ring and ready to just pop it into someone's nose. Like, <laughs> 
Anyways, but it was a way of extending hospitality even to her, right? Of, of acknowledging um, what her hospitality to him. And then he bows down and worships the Lord. In this moment, he recognizes God has heard my prayer. God is at work. This is a really great reminder that wherever we are, we can bow down and worship. We don't have to like wait. I mean, we don't have to like actually get out a rug and bow down, but we can in our hearts, in every moment, bow down and worship God when we recognize him at work. Okay, anyways, I praise the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who had led me on the right road to to get the granddaughter of my master's brother for his son. And if you're paying attention, yes, they're marrying cousins. That's for a whole nother sermon. Um, They did things different then. Um, Now, if you will show kindness and faithfulness to my master, tell me. And if not, tell me so I may know which way to turn. And then the father speaks, Laban and Bethuel answer, this is from the Lord. We can say nothing to you one way or the other. Here is Rebecca. Take her and go. Let her become the wife of your master's son, as the Lord has directed. When Abraham's servant heard what they had said, he bowed down to the, Lord, to the ground before the Lord again. Then the servant brought out gold and silver jewelry and articles of clothing and gave them to Rebecca. He also gave costly gifts to her brother and to her mother. Then he and the men who were with him ate and drank and spent the night there. When they got up the next morning, he said, send me on my way to my master. But her brother and her mother replied, no, let the young woman remain with us 10 more days. Then you may go. But he says, listen, don't stop me. Now that the Lord has granted success to my journey, I've got to go. Send me on my way so I can get to my master. And then they said, well, let's, let's call her and ask her about it. They called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this man? And I, I like this next phrase because I think it shows us that Rebecca has a spirit of faith, a spirit of adventure, right? And so they ask her and she says, I will go. If you're looking for someone, find someone with a spirit of adventure, a spirit of willingness to go into what's next. Maybe even in your relationship that you're in right now, can you both have this attitude? Let's have a spirit of adventure to follow where God is leading us. It's clear in this story that God has been leading this servant. And so Rebecca's paying attention. She's like, I will go. And then next... They send their sister, Rebecca, on her way, along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. And they blessed Rebecca and said to her, our sister, may you increase the thousands upon thousands. May your offspring possess the cities of their enemies. Then Rebecca and her attendants got ready and mounted the camels and went back with the man. So the servant took Rebecca and left. Now Isaac had come from Ber Lahat. Roy, for for he was living in the Negev, and he went out to the field one evening to meditate, and as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Hmm. Rebecca also looked and saw Isaac. This is that moment, right? (laughs) She got down from her camel and asked the servant, who's that man? He's my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all that he had done. He told him how God had been faithful. He told him what had happened. And then Isaac brought her into the tent of his mother, Sarah, and he married Rebekah. And so she became his wife, and he loved her. And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. This is the word of God for us today. Can somebody say, thanks be to God? 
watching the time. All right. This is way less flowery and imagery than the Song of Songs passage, and it's way different than how we go about romance today. But I think those, there's three attitudes that I think reflect the heart of Christ that Rebecca shows us. One, she was welcoming to the stranger. Two, she had the adventurous spirit, I will go. And then finally, at the end, she comforted Isaac. She was a comforter. If you're in pursuit, in a romantic pursuit, I encourage you, have those three characteristics in your own life. Like, be dateable. Be that kind of person. If you're looking for someone, look for those things in someone. If you're in a relationship, affirm those things in someone. Like, if, if you've been married for a while, um, notice how your spouse welcomes your neighbors and affirm that in them. If you notice how they are comforting someone, say, I really like how you extended grace there. If um, they show a spirit of adventure and following God, say, you know, I, I see that adventurous spirit. Today is the day where we get to receive communion. Um, did you guys bring these things in? There's a, there's a line in, the, in Song of Songs, that chapter 8, that haunts me with its beauty. It's the bride speaking to the groom, and she says to him, place me like a seal over your heart. Put me like a seal on your arm, for, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. Talking about love, love burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. And I love this. Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. Love is not something to be trifled with, not something to, to mess around with, and it's not, and it's something, romantic love is something to be careful to share, right? But let's think about this love that God has for us. His love burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. Many waters cannot quench it. Rivers cannot sweep it away. Think about the storms in your life. Those storms cannot put out the flame of God's love for you. Think about the sins that you have done. Even if you have done an ocean of sin, God's love is greater still. That water cannot put out the flame of God's love for you. God's love is true love. In the same way that a bride and a groom say to each other, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, God's love is a for better, for worse kind of love. It's a love that sticks with you. When we celebrate communion, it's, it's a physical sign of a spiritual reality, right? It's kind of like a, a ring, a wedding band. It's, it's an outward sign of an inward commitment. So these elements, in a, in a way, are physical symbols of God's deep love for us, his unquenchable love for us. 
The flame of love was fully on display in the life of Jesus Christ. Think about that. He welcomed the stranger. He wept with the weeping. He said, I will go, Father. I will do your will. What good news. Thank you for joining us for the Still Meadow Sermon Podcast. Again, please click over to our website, www.stillnaz.com. If you have a prayer request, you can go directly to stillnaz.com slash prayer. If you want to connect with people at Still Meadow, go to stillnaz.com slash connect. If you want to support Still Meadow Church of the Nazarene financially, go to stillnaz.com slash give. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be here again next week.